Um, did you notice they were calling her Raharu in this one? Yeah, I, I did. I, I also, I'm a little too far removed from the first one. <laughs> oh, gotcha. Okay, well, I mean, her name was, they called her Haruhara Haruko, and, you uh-huh. know, they would call her one or the other, but, like, she has a slightly different name in this one. Which, I mean, you know, you chalk up to, ah, she had to skip down, but she wanted to maybe do one similar <laughs> so she would at least recognize it. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, I like how they kind of start off with, like, she's she's not the same, but she, it's the same person, but she's kind of deceptive, I guess, as she's yes. always been. Yeah, and, and well, I mean, it felt like she was, I think that this may also be, like, Something thematically we'll in, we'll explore here in a few minutes. Sure, um, but I mean, it definitely felt like she was half of the person, as well as uh, I, I can't remember the other girl's name. The girl with the comedy glasses. Um, oh man, what was her name? It started I think with I wrote a it J. Down. It was a Jean Jean. Uh, I can't remember. Anyway, but it felt like both of those people were two halves of the same person. Yeah. And, uh, and I mean, they, they kind of explored that, and mm-hmm. at one point they unified and then separated, but you know. Also, uh, Raharu was the one who got to the town and was going after the male. Like, you know, you, you mm-hmm. kind of... I, okay, so first of all, <clears throat> this show is not liked by most of the original fans of the original. Hmm. Like, uh, progressive is like progressive and alternative are both kind of profoundly hated from most of what I've seen, uh, <clears throat> which kind of sucks because it makes it to where I'm kind of unable to talk about the stuff that I want to talk about with it because mm-hmm. the conversation has to be, it's not that bad or dear God, it might even be good, but this is why. Where you have to like uh, make an argument for it, <clears throat> yeah. And not that. Let's see how do I how do I word this, but it's not that. Uh, it's not like that. I'm gonna say people are flat out wrong for not liking it because, of course, when it comes to something like Fully Cooly, a lot of it has to do with feeling, mm-hmm. because it's such a uh, a fly by the seat of your pants when it comes to like plot. And everything like that. Yeah, boy, howdy is it. (laughs) (laughs) So, I have to, like, I I, I guess I can't can't be as mean. Mm -hmm. Which, not that I like being mean, but uh, I tend to be. (laughs) But, um, yeah, so, a lot lot of it is feeling, and the thing with, with Fully Cooly and with how just fast and loose it plays with absolutely everything, Mm -hmm. like... <clears throat> what am I trying to say? I've got to organize my thoughts. It's early in the morning. But um, with the second one, I liked how it pivoted to the main character is now a girl. Mm-hmm. Because the, the original being about like puberty and coming of age and stuff like that, it was... Like, way laser focused. Like, okay, there were a few characters, and it kind of, you know, uh, 
there was one episode that was focused on his friend, like like right. Sh- she had like a a monster come out of her head, but it was like really focused on um now uh what was his name Naoto? Mm-hmm. Yeah, he was definitely Something like that. Yeah, yeah, he was definitely the main character in this one. I think people get a little confused where it's like which one's the main character between uh Hidomi and what's Ida? his face Ida, yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah, they're they're like I mean they don't say this, but I think people will get confused as to which one's supposed to be the main character. But it's pretty obvious that Hidomi is the main character, which I think also Hibijiri is what that's like her her name. Family name right. is Hidomi. But <clears throat> Yeah. And if you look at it as her being the main character, it's way better, I guess, because Ide, he gets little bits that happen off camera that you almost are expected to assume and understand because uh, uh, Haruhara is also doing the same thing to him that she did to Naoto. Yeah. And, like, so the thing is, I had a... It's similar to the first Fully Cooley, which we talked about, uh, like, gosh, months ago. Um, I had a, I had a hard time following. <laughs> um, it, I, it definitely followed it at, as far as, like, the main points and, like, the main um, moments. And it definitely appealed to me in, in a very weird way that's, like, I don't really understand it. Oh, oh, that's that's just fully coolie. <laughs> and you know the, that's the funny thing. Everybody that I've mentioned, so one of my friends at uh, at work, he he was talking about like how he was really hesitant to watch this. He's he loved the original fully coolie and he has consumed it so much. Uh, yeah. But then uh, he has been terrified to start fully coolie uh, season two. Here's because of the fan backlash, and he's just, he doesn't want to not like it. <laughs> Here's what, oh, well, uh, I mean, you, he, I, I think that's that's unfortunate. You're probably just going to have to watch it. Mm-hmm. Like, just, well, to, just and to get I, what you I, think I, of it. But w- what I would say is, like, don't expect the first Fully Cooley. But oh, e- yeah. expect that the show is assuming you watched the first one, but don't mm-hmm. expect Fully Cooley again. Those six episodes are not these six episodes. Right. And, uh, I mean, yeah. And when I told him that, like I was having a really hard time following it and that it was really weird, but at the same time it was like eliciting emotions. He was like, okay, that makes me really excited. Yeah. Because that's <laughs> what it's supposed to be. <clears throat> like that's, that's what the original does. And I, I think what happened was that the first one was around for so long that the super fans ended up, watching and analyzing it to the point where they understood everything about it. And then when mm-hmm. the second one comes out, they're completely lost again. And mm. I think that would be a testament to like how well they understood the original in creating yeah. this one, which I really like the second one. I, I'm, I think I said this last time, but I certainly don't like it more than the original. There's something about that... Uh, style and time that it came out around that just mm-hmm. it, it's kind of like it, anything that comes after can't be as good for me. I mean, unless it 
used the same, uh, like, unless it was all the same people working on it, it probably wouldn't have, have had a chance, but those people didn't want to work on it. And see, that's funny because like, I, I actually think I may like the second better. Really? Wait, okay, now I'm really confused. But see, the funny thing is, the funny thing is, is I, I can't qualify. I like, I can't quantify or qualify <laughs> like that statement. It's so weird. But the enti- the entire time, I th- one the pillows kill it with their soundtrack. Oh gosh, dude! Um. <laughs> <laughs> this okay. As great as the original soundtrack is, as mm-hmm. as far as the the quality of the uh, the audio being so much mm-hmm. better now, and the fact that there's like they get to revisit some tracks that they did before. Yeah, I almost exclusively listen to the soundtracks from the sequel animes. And because there's some new songs that are just, God, they're it, it's it's like it's just on another level now. Yeah, the, I mean, the song "Thank You, My Twilight" has kind of consumed the past couple days for me. Uh, yeah, that song got stuck in my head for a long time uh, when me and me and my sister were watching this on Toonami as it was coming out. And oh man, that's in the first episode. And then, of mm-hmm. course, you know, on a weekly basis. It comes back a few times, and that was just, like, that was where my head was at, was in that song for, like, I think six weeks. Yeah, and I was I was talking to my wife because I was like, I, I don't understand what about this song is so nostalgic for me. I've never heard this song in my life, but every time I hear it, it gives me goosebumps and it takes me back. Like, just, like... Like I'm sitting in that Thor Ragnarok chair flying through time and then arrive <laughs> like back in my past body. Yeah. Uh, I, I mean, I think it's just the genre that the pillows does is kind of when, okay. When fully Cooley came out, they were kind of the, uh, you know, they were doing the new thing, the thing that was, that was getting popular right then. Mm-hmm. Whereas now, when you listen to them in uh, the sequels, it's kind of, oh, now this has nostalgic music, like, from the mm-hmm. beginning. Not that um, The Pillows makes nostalgic music. They make new music for them. But right. just their style in this genre is not... It's not popular music anymore. Like, this kind of a, kind of indie rock alternative thing. And did they return for um, alternative? <laughs> Yes, uh, progressive and alternative were made at the same time. Oh, oh, okay. And they have a completely different art style. And what I noticed, unfortunately, about the uh, last episode was what I thought was a part of the last episode was actually just part of the tsunami broadcast, where after the credits of the last episode, it shows you uh, a teaser for uh, fully coolly alternative, and it was, oh. and and it's just. Once again, such a stark, like a starkly different angle and style to the even the first two. So I was like, oh, my God, they're doing it again. That's really OK. That's that's really cool. That's, I like that's it. really cool that they make it so different. Yeah. And uh, I think that this hits the happy middle ground that I think uh this hits a middle ground for what people wanted from Stranger Things. Like, people wanted Stranger mm. Things to be an anthology. Other people just wanted a sequel with the main characters. 
I think what should have happened is you should have taken maybe one or two characters and then taken it somewhere completely different and, and like had different directors to like make mm. it look completely different. Like keep the same producers, but like yeah. put it somewhere else and keep some of the same elements, you know, make it the same show, of course, but mm-hmm. like make everything as fresh as you can. <clears throat> yeah. Uh, let's see. Yeah, uh, Last Dinosaur. I don't know if that's in Progressive or in Alternative, but Last Dinosaur is a song that... Mm-hmm. Oh, man. It's really good. It's one of my favorites. <laughs> I, th- I think that that one, that one has to be an Alternative because that name doesn't ring a bell, and I was looking at the uh, the soundtrack okay. earlier. <clears throat> yeah. I might be wrong, though. The music is really good, and... I mean, there's people who don't really like the original Fully Cooley, even, who like the music. It's just got, the, the show's got a great soundtrack, and mm-hmm. I think it's good that the sequel might even have a better soundtrack. But <clears throat> the thing is, I mean, that that kind of is a microcosm of what I think is appealing about Fully Cooley, is that it's mm-hmm. not, even though it's a genius, like, it's a genius show as far as plot and stuff like that, that, mm-hmm. you know, the kind of nuts and bolts or whatever. It's just not obvious about any of it. And then as you're going along, it's like, do I even care if I can't follow this? Because you're kind of following it anyway. Yeah. And I mean, that was the whole thing with, with me not following it is that I was, I was strapped in like it was like all right well i'm here now and like i'm invested in this thing that i don't understand <laughs> yeah <laughs> so i'm sitting there and I'm, I'm i'm watching it and i'm like i'm getting it on this weird level oh gosh it's so hard to explain but i i guess this is a commonality between the the fully coolies so i guess people listening who have watched it probably understand what i'm saying yeah and what I think is strange is that while I was watching it, or when I was watching both of them, which we mm-hmm. aren't we aren't to alternative yet, but it kind of felt like the subtitles should have been switched because this one oh, okay. almost feels like you like switch tracks, like you you are on one train track and now you're on a totally different one, and then the third season takes a long time to get going. But then, like, around, like, episode five or six, everything just starts exploding. Like, everything just starts falling apart and hitting you all at the same time, where it's like, oh, my God, childhood is over. But uh, <laughs> it's it's really good. But, like, um, it, fe- it feels more like progressive music, I guess. Okay. Where it's like... Uh, yeah, this 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 feels like the pacing of a Rush or Dream Theater song is uh, what alternative feels like to me. Whereas okay. Progressive was like, what if we just tried to do nothing the same way that we did the first time? And that starts off with, of course, having the female protagonist. And mm-hmm. there's a few times, did you notice, where her and Ide are in the same scene? But Mm -hmm. their heads are on different sides. Like, she's facing up, he's facing down. 
Yeah. And okay. I mean, that's that's kind of obvious, right? I'm, I'm not I'm not a crazy person, am I? I mean, like the, well, yeah. It, that's a literal yin and yang they made. Okay. Oh, okay. I, I get what you're saying. I thought you were just talking about like the fact that they're facing different directions, but yeah, oh. okay. <laughs> well, I mean, yeah. I mean, it, it could also be a little more than that, which maybe not even the writers are clued in on, but just. I think what people need to be a little open about is that I think all of Fooly Cooly that I've, I mean, this all three seasons, they still work. Like mm-hmm. n- none of this feels like it was done to uh, subvert anything previous. It all seems in line with what the first one kind of sets up. And yeah, I def I definitely didn't feel like it was. Oh, oh, we're going one direction, and now we're completely, you know, about facing and going another. Yeah, it's it, it's not doing a thing where it's like adding context to previous mm-hmm. stuff. Like, how to how to she hasn't changed. She's still doing the same thing. Right. And at, for I, I like how much you don't see of the things that would be connected to the original. Like, when did her and Jin Yu split? Like, mm-hmm. when did she turn into two different people temporarily? It's like, you don't get the feeling that it happened because of the first one. But it was just something that happened off camera. And now you're getting, you know, uh, a slightly different flavor of her for a while. Yeah. Is is Jin Yu in um, Alternative? Uh, should I tell you that? I mean, I mean not, there, there's you don't a lot, have to. There's a lot of mystery. With alternative. Oh, okay, okay. So, <clears throat> uh, one of the things that is connected to the original, which kind of is just given you as like a last minute thing, is that uh, Masarao, like his, he's like the grandson of the eyebrows guy from the original. Yeah. <laughs> which is like, which is like... not not super necessary, I guess, but it, it was no, kind of a fun thing. And it's like, that explains why he wears that cap all the time. <laughs> That, that was his way of hiding his his light, tiny little eyebrows. Also, like, yeah, I I didn't understand the whole, like, relation to the first one as far as timeline, which it doesn't really matter. But, uh, yeah, <laughs> like when they were bringing when it was like, oh, that's Conti. What is he doing there? <laughs> yeah. So I've noticed people get really bent out of shape over that, where hmm. I think maybe they're. Okay, and and I understand them. I'm not okay. I'm not. I'm not this isn't attack everyone who dislikes <laughs> fully coolly progressive. <laughs> like I don't want it to be like that because I understand them. Where it's like, why is Conti back? And it's like, what do you mean? Why is Conti back? Why was Conti there to begin with? <laughs> <clears throat> it's like, what is Conti? Uh, I mean, he was the uh uh. uh the not angel of death, but he was like the the angel of destruction or whatever, mm-hmm. like in the original, like uh, Amaterasu, like burning everything down. But then, like you know, yeah. he's the he's the um, the uh, masculine ideal that Naoto is able to like combine Conjure with. up above his like brother. Yeah, and then like he's just kind of remaining. He's mm-hmm. just like he just kind of hangs out a little bit, 
But, like, in the original, he also spent some time just sort of hanging out, doing housework. <laughs> kind of taking yeah. the place of his brother. And so, he was also kind of like Jean-Yu. Did, didn't he even wear a maid's outfit at one point? Um, Maybe. I'm not quite sure if I remember that, but I could see that. In fact, I know that he did in Progressive. Yes. Uh, but. but yeah, okay, so... <clears throat> Jinyu, uh, we need to talk about her. Because... Okay. She she really takes the place of uh, Hara Hara from the first one. Mm-hmm. You know, she's the one that hits Hidomi. Yeah. And uh, her whole, like, character design seems to be... Okay, like like she's she's got a leather jacket. She drives a cool muscle car. <laughs> like she's everything opposite. She's like she she's not the uh you know mysterious feminine character that Haruhara is. Like she's very much kind of a tomboy and in your face and very yeah. direct. And like, you know, she she tells uh um Hidomi's mom. She's like I'm sorry. I thought it was a fatal blow. Your daughter will survive. <laughs> <laughs> and then you know it, it looks ridiculous when she's in the maid outfit. It's right. like it doesn't it doesn't look fitting to her. And in, in the original, like Hara Hara was kind of the the scary, like strange feminine to Naoto. You know who's going through puberty, so now like that's all he thinks about. Yes. <laughs> Whereas with Jinyu, like, okay, Hidomi, this is also something I see people get stuck on, is they're like, her two character traits are people think she's a Sundere, but she's actually a Yandere. And, like, it's like, this is the weird, like, um, trope-focused stuff that you should know is there to distract you. Like, mm-hmm. to, to get you to think that it's about something that it's not. Which, like, if you were watching Fully Cooly, you should know that that's, that's not actually what it's going to be. I mean, people calling her a Sundere are going to... It's going to be like the uh, eyebrows guy telling Naoto he needs to get sugar. Yeah. It's like... It, it's it's a, uh, a diversion. It's, it's not what is actually important there. Basically, Hidomi, you know, is in her shell afraid to be herself and i mean you you get a lot of uh what she's struggling with from her dreams which is where she's like you're seeing her subconscious or her unconscious i guess where it's like yeah which those dream sequences were wild oh yeah like uh yeah she's like seeing the destroyed world which like she's clearly very bored no, nothing ever happens, you know, she says, but I remember nothing ever happens in this town, you know, which is what they say in the original. Right. Everything is normal. But, like, she wants it to all be wasted. She wants everything to be destroyed. But, like, uh, in, in her dreams, she's dying. Like, she's rotting, falling apart. Like, she's never done anything in her whole life. She's she's getting older and she's fearing she's that... She's literally wasting away. Yeah. <clears throat> and she's like uh delighting in any amount of destruction happening like mm-hmm. that that's the only thing giving her joy now 
because it's just everything's just maintaining and uh you know the the when she starts acting uh, outgoing and cute or whatever, like people don't like it and they're like, oh, that's not her. But it's like because this part of herself has been so like suppressed. Yeah, suppressed. Now that it's like got a hold of her and it's like turned her into this uh, <clears throat> crazy person. <laughs> crazy person, but it's like it's turned her into like uh, an avatar for. Everything that she, mm. like, doesn't... She's, like, maybe um, worried about people seeing her as. And then mm-hmm. I like the way she looks at the end, first of all, because it looks really cool. But uh, at the end where she's kind of integrated all of that stuff. Where it's, like, yeah. she's no longer worried about keeping people out. And, you know, uh, what, what they say, uh, hitting pause on the world. You yeah, know, she, I mean, I mean, she was literally wearing headphones to block out everything. Yeah, like, and, and she's okay. So uh, obviously, Hidomi has daddy issues. Her yes. her dad left, and you know, never came back. Yes, and she, since then, she's had she's hit pause on the world because she's waiting for dad to return. Her mom mm-hmm. was the same way. Her mom was waiting for her dad to come back. But you can tell that at this point. Her mom is kind of gradually starting to move on on her own, which Mm -hmm. is also very kind. It's, you know, it's also scary and frustrating to Hidomi that her mom's ready to move on and maybe she doesn't care. Yeah. But it's kind of a thing where it's like, well, you're kind of uh, being stuck in stasis because you're waiting for someone that's probably not coming back. Yeah. And her daddy issues being that she's, you know, she's unable to uh, interface with any kind of masculine side of herself. And at the end, she literally gets a dark kind of uh, Japanese delinquent cloak to have around her back. Like she's uh, gotten in touch with her masculine side and, you know, she's getting into a fight at the end. Yeah, I, I mean, don't know. I, I really like her the, character arc. The fight with uh, Haruko. Yeah. Um, at, one that was actually my my favorite quote was the was when Haruko said, uh, "You make your own answers." Hmm. That was my favorite quote. But then again, I also okay. This also may have hurt my uh, my consumption of it, but I watched it. I, I had to watch it in um, the sub. And oh, okay. It is. It is very wordy. <laughs> and so, like, I'm having to, especially, like, when she was scrolling on her phone. I mean, like, there was just a small little interaction, but she's scrolling on her phone, and it just stopped doing the subtitles for the teacher. And she's, it's just doing the <laughs> subtitles for the phone. And so, like, you got the auditory coming in, and I'm trying to, like, figure out where they're putting the English s- subtitles for what's on the phone screen. Hmm. And it's just... My thing Very... with, yeah, my, my thing with Fully Cooley is that it has to be dub just mm-hmm. because and I, I mean that that's it literally the it originally came out as a dub because this was a Toonami anime. The sequels were so like oh, okay. uh, progressive and alternative were first aired as dubs. And uh, there's something in the first episode 
that I would not have been able to follow along with had I not recognized Kari Walgren doing Hara uh, Hara's voice. Uh, because the teacher is doing a totally different voice, mm-hmm. but once she starts to speed up her pace, it's like, oh my God, it's her. <laughs> like she starts yeah, to talk see, a little I, faster and she's getting more of that kind of whine going with it. I definitely did not pick up on that. That's at unfortunate. All. <laughs> Cause that's such a cool scene, <laughs> especially. Okay. Here's the thing. There, there's that. That was okay. That scene I think is the only point in the show that goes for like nostalgia bait mm-hmm. where it's like, Oh, it's that thing. <laughs> uh, and I like how she kind of looks at the camera and said, that's right. The real one's here. Yeah, I, I did like that. Like when she actually did the reveal, that was that mm-hmm. was pretty cool. And that is important because she's not entirely the real one per se, because she's not complete. This is just the version of herself that she thinks is who she's supposed to be. It's like, this is the real me. Nothing to do with Jinyu. <clears throat> yeah. And if you've noticed... This one, this version of herself seems almost uh, worse off than she was oh, in the yeah. original. Like, yeah, I was, I was actually gonna say that. Like, she's, she's much. I mean, for lack of a better word, crazy. She's much more crazy, <laughs> and, and she's much more obsessed with mm-hmm. getting Adamisk. Like, impulsive. Yeah, and and it's like she's rejected all of her own masculinity that would make her a complete person. And that's mm-hmm. what Jinyu is, who's, you know, stoic. Like, like I like how stoic Jinyu is. It's so over the top. Like, when she starts putting her into cement and she yeah. just she doesn't <laughs> react to any of it. Also, all of the scenes following the cement. Yeah. <laughs> where she's just pretty much a surfboard of cement. Yeah. <laughs> and like just her legs and arms are hanging out of it. <laughs> um, but yeah, like Harahara rejecting any, any any of her ma- masculinity and just being obsessed with getting that guy who's never paid her any attention, like doesn't really care about her. You know, he, he's out there, you know, maybe even out of her league. And then mm-hmm. I like how in her obsession, she literally creates a cage for him. Yeah, but he's yeah, so much was... bigger than the cage. <laughs> Like, I, I, at first, I was like, oh, okay, she's going to trap him in the cage, and then the reveal that, no, he's literally outside of the planet. Yeah, like, she can't put him in a box. Yeah. I mean, he's the Pirate King. Who's going to put the Pirate King in a box? But yeah, like, I, I'm really intrigued <clears throat> by him. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, her whole thing being, like, in the original you kind of find out pretty late in the show what she's, what her goal is, which Mm -hmm. is, you know, to, to get the guy, but she seemed more herself at that time. And that, you know, she was just kind of scheming. Whereas now her scheming has kind of, it's now being played on herself as well. She's like trying to trick herself as to what she needs to do and who she needs to be. Which is um, yeah, and I felt like it was also very. I mean, uh, just based on who she is, it that, that it's obvious. But she was much more open about like, no, I gotta get him. Like, yeah. and I mean, at at the very beginning, 
uh, when Xinyu was saying, you know, the, the we want what we can't have, you know, we, we reach for it because we can't touch it, things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and then when Hara Hara uh, shows up, she starts doing all these things. And I think she says pretty early on that she's trying to get him back. Yeah. I can't remember when she says it, though. Yeah, because it would be weird to make that part of the mystery again, I think, just from a writing perspective. That was a smart thing to do, for her to just be like, no, I'm still doing that. And, uh, I mean, I'm happy that if you're going to bring her back, she shouldn't be a character that's necessarily gone through any development, just because she's she's more like, you know, the, uh, the sage character leading the... You know, she, she's there for the main character's development, which is what she was right. in the original. <clears throat> so right. if you're gonna, and I mean that that's important for a, a character that doesn't grow as the people around her have to. Yeah, uh, and I I was glad that this oh God I was so glad that this didn't become the the Haruko show. Like I was so worried, but like going into this, I was like, oh, she's the only carryover. Did they Jack Sparrow her? I really hope they didn't. Mm. And I was so glad. I'm so glad that that's mm-hmm. not what happened. She's still just the kind of stuck in, you know, she's, she's stuck in place. And uh, right. I like how she's, she's still quote 19. Like she hasn't aged a day. Whereas like, uh, Masarao, he's like the grandson of one of the previous characters. From yeah. The first show. <laughs> it's like, so clearly some amount of time has passed and she hasn't changed at all. In fact, right. she seems to be worse off because she hasn't changed. And uh, she really is just she she is just swooping in and and forcing people to to age up. <laughs> well, age up and not grow. Mm-hmm. Because in her speech, she says, you know, uh, be as adequate as you can, born to be mild, like. When she's giving yeah. that kind of rousing speech to the students, it's basically all to say, have no ambition. <laughs> Just don't worry about it. Just coast don't through Don't do life. anything. Yeah. And like, uh, you know, with uh, the original version of her, she was kind of able to tempt Naoto with maybe maybe something beyond what he currently is. So she mm-hmm. was able to kind of, uh, even though in the end, they have a fight and she's kind of working against him. She's able to kind of pull him along, uh, by the nose into yeah. to, to kind of tricking him into doing her bidding. Whereas this one, she's kind of just incapable of doing that. I mean, and you can kind of tell she goes after Ide, who is an interesting character. And I think he, it, it's, he's more interesting as a character. Who's not the main character. He's better as a love interest because, Mm-hmm. I like how his thing is, you know, when he's at school, he's seen as the class clown or whatever. But at home, he's already kind of a man. Like, right. he, he's got a job. He's, like, in really good shape. <laughs> he's, like, uh, taking care of himself. And, and he's, like, uh, a, a business owner. <clears throat> uh, oh, <laughs> that just reminds me of that hard English. <laughs> In oh. the uh, in the sub, it is, it is super English. Wait, really? Yes. That scene in the dub, those guys speak Japanese. Oh. Yeah, but 
it's a uh, uh, a heavily accented Japanese, which they they just say that it's a strong accent. But like, yeah, those those guys, those gangsters or whatever, they're speaking Japanese. <laughs> yeah, in in the in the dub, it was heavily accented American or American English. <laughs> God, I sound like a freaking idiot. That's funny. Uh, um, well, that's kind of unfortunate. I would think maybe they could get some English voice voice actors to use those guys because Toonami produced this. Like, this is a joint production with... um, Yeah, I don't know. They definitely weren't. It was definitely Yeah, because the Japanese character, the the Japanese speaking in the dub is definitely Japanese people, but Japanese people with, like some kind of accent, like some kind of like, you know, rural bumpkin accent. Okay. I'm pretty sure is what they're going for. But, uh, basically, you know, you just get the feeling that it's like, Oh, these are, these are rabble. These are gangsters, you know, or, uh, not gangsters, punks, you know, they're just punks coming up here. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, uh, Ide, who's like, uh, kind of, um, Ide, Ide, uh, kind of, he straddles the line for becoming maybe a Gary Stew, where he's a little too perfect. Because it's yeah. like, not only is he funny and like has friends, he's also like ripped and also a business owner. And it's like, oh, well. <clears throat> but yeah. then also, his monsters are blobs. Or like like the, the monsters that come out of his head. They're like these these blobby creations that don't really have form yet. So it's mm-hmm. kind of he's darting off in all these different di- directions and doesn't really know who he is. Yeah, he and he doesn't have that form. Yeah. So, I mean, he's still full of potential, which, wow, man, he just he gets everything, doesn't he? But mm. <laughs> uh, that's why he doesn't work as a main character. He works better as, you know, the guy to get for Hidomi. Where it's like she's probably not good enough for him yet, mm-hmm. and then b- by the end, you know, uh, which I, I actually liked. This one was different from the original, and that this one does end with them getting together, mm-hmm. and it's specifically, you know, uh, now it's like Haruhara is seeing an actual coupling, which is something she still can't get. Yeah. Man, okay, and now that like now that we're talking about it, I'm definitely seeing a lot of the parallels yeah, this is between what last time. <laughs> yeah, a, a lot of the parallels between uh, Fight Club and this. Oh yes, uh, and I like because because you were talking about that uh, the last time that we recorded when we were talking about Fight Club is you you had already watched uh, yeah. <laughs> Fully Cooly Part Two, and so you were. You were talking about the parallels there and trying trying not to get sidetracked, but yeah, um, but yeah, I, I mean, even the the standing in the destruction <laughs> at yeah. the at the end, like that is very Fight Club. Yeah, oh, and, that's weird. And okay, so the way the first one ends is that Naoto's kind of he's growing up now, like he's he's finally mm-hmm. going to start growing up. He's moving on from his brother's shadow. He's he's a different person now. Right. Whereas at the end of this one, she's uh, Hidomi's kind of able to start at zero. Like she's finally become a different person. And mm-hmm. she says at the end, she's like, I don't know what I want to do. But I think that doesn't matter. 
and she I don't think she's saying nothing matters. She kind of saying I think she's kind of saying it doesn't matter right now because it finally feels like she's able to start. Yeah. We're like she's moved on from her dad, waiting for her dad. You know, she's uh, accepted that her mom has also moved on. She's not going to hold that against her. And now, you know, she's a more complete person who's more in control of herself. And uh, I, I like the feeling that she kind of likes the fact that she might be a threat. Like, yeah, she, she's gotten comfortable with the fact that she can do some damage if she needs to, because she just want to fight. And uh, man, OK, <laughs> the parallels. Yeah. Wow. OK. Yeah. Because I was I wasn't noticing these parallels like while while I was watching it. The only parallels that I was drawing was like, oh, this has a similar like similar vibe as well <laughs> as like similar sounding music. <laughs> Not not similar. Oh, oh yeah, I was gonna say uh, uh, Pixies. They're a lot like the Pillows, <laughs> that genre. <laughs> like that. Where is my head at the end? I, I mm-hmm. when I when I watched uh, Progressive, that that shot at the end where after everything is destroyed and they're just kind of like uh, t- together and it's and it's playing the Pillows while panning out. I was like, oh my god. You met me at a weird time in my life. Exactly. Like when, <laughs> with her saying, I don't think it matters what I want to do right now. It was like, it's mm-hmm. the same thing. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> uh, Ide's not quite as much of a hot mess as Marla, but <laughs> yeah, good Lord. Thank God. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's probably, it don't probably couldn't really deal with someone like that. Uh, uh, yeah. Very few people can. <laughs> Yeah, man. Tyler Durden. Let's not talk more about Fight Club. Let's, but yes, no. I think you know, I'm not going to say let's not talk more. That's not what I meant. I more meant yes. There's the parallels. Like uh, those were kind of, but that was kind of all of them. It's very mm-hmm. broad, but it all kind of comes to a head there at the end. Also, what are you laughing at? I was just the just you and the uh, yeah. I'm no, struggling. No. Yeah, no. <laughs> Yeah. <clears throat> so, uh, speaking of relationships, with mm-hmm. which I mean, this whole series tends to be about, but the third one's gonna throw you for a loop. Uh, this oh. one, it, you know, well, this one's far more about coupling. The third one is much more about friendship. And uh, okay, Maury, the dude yeah, who wears okay. the skirt everywhere. <laughs> Um, um, yep, odd fella, but okay. Yeah, you get the feeling that there's not much that he has confidence in himself about, so what mm-hmm. he's decided to do is just go for any trend that makes him stand out. Yeah, so and like, kind of just be that weird, the, the weird guy and stands out because he's the weird guy. Exactly, that's really all he's got going for him, and mm-hmm. he still has to pay to get a girlfriend. Yeah, Which, that, was... that reveal, me and my sister lost it when she turned around. And, okay, once again, th- this might have been lost on you because you watched the sub. But mm-hmm. she has this kind of, you know, timid talking like this when she's in character. Uh-huh. It just hard cuts to that scene. Oh, yeah. And she goes, just so you know. And she's, like, talking to, like, a mean girl or whatever. Yeah, and it, it definitely, we, it definitely was like that. Breathe. Okay. It was, well, it was definitely like that in the uh, in the sub. 
Uh, okay, she, it was just... She I, had that very, like, high-pitched, like, talking very quietly. And then when she got on the train, she was, like, normal voice, very direct. But, like, <laughs> it wasn't just a normal voice. It was specifically that she sounded like a character from Mean Girls. Like, <laughs> like she had that, that very, like, uh, uh, plastics or, like, valley girl sound mm-hmm. to her that was just so shocking. Uh, but, yeah, uh, I like... Her name's Aiko. Mori and mm-hmm. Aiko's story, I like more than more than I expected. Because I was like, mm. these are just going to be comic relief characters. But, like, there at the end, it's like, oh, no, Mori might actually deserve her. <laughs> yeah. And just like kind of scene... throwing himself in there. <laughs> yeah, he, I mean, that that's the thing, is that, like, he didn't have anything to fight for. He didn't have anything to strive for. And then, like, now he has her. Right. Which, well, there's things and, to be said about that on either side of the fence. But... Well, well, and he may not have actually had her <laughs> at any point. It was it's like, true. He, he may have, you know, been getting the narrative confused with real life at certain yeah, points kinda, just because he wants to be confused about it. Kind of deluding himself. Yeah. But uh, there at the end, it's not just that he's he's throwing himself into the fight. It's that he's actually shown himself to be competent in some way. So, you know, don't mm-hmm. don't, don't get it twisted. It's not just that he's trying. That's usually yeah. not good enough. Uh, you you know you get the feeling he was always willing to try, but he's actually succeeding. Right. So <clears throat> that's a, that's an important bit, which I don't think he succeeds at anything at any point in the show until the very end. And even then, he breaks his bike. Yeah. Hmm. <laughs> the um the uh when it, when uh oh crap what's her the main character's name her mom Hidomi uh when oh, her mom Hine. was like. Is that part of her quirkiness? <laughs> when she like explodes into a tree? Yeah. <laughs> so what 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 do you think was going on there? Cuz I don't think I've thought much about that. There's a lot of stuff with Fully Cooley that just happens and I just accept it. It just makes sense to me. Yeah, I mean that that definitely was what I was going through at that moment. I mean like at that point I was just like, you know, forget what all this means. I'm just like I'm strapped in. I'm going to just watch it. Yeah. <laughs> um no, I don't know. I think that it was like, well, I mean, she was, she obviously kind of realized that there was some sort of greater purpose to her. Yeah. And, uh, and she was literally growing into that. Yeah. I, I got the feeling that she was going to be revealed to be a robot of some kind, but mm, then okay. it's almost, um, unexpected that she's, the like the opposite of a robot. She's a plant, mm-hmm. and she's carrying that plant around with her and whatever. And um, the thing that she gives that other fake boyfriend, who's the, who's the paying, carved bear, yeah, yeah. So these are all like nature related things, like salt mm-hmm. of the earth type deals. And uh, you know, she's in this cosmopolitan world where she's making money on appearances. And stuff like that. <laughs> so, I don't know. Something about chaotic nature and feminine and, like, commodifying it in some way. But then she's able to uh, kind of, uh, you know, she's kind of, she's, she's selling the, the image of the feminine at first. But then there at the end, she kind of becomes the image. Yeah. 
I mean, especially like she literally becomes the image. She's birthed from a flower, yeah. butt naked. <laughs> yeah. And uh, her, what's <clears throat> her her dad, Eye Patch, and the other old man kind of are are wild cards to me. Like they almost feel like they don't even really get to participate. This is all happening whether they want it to or not, which could be, you know, a thing about adults trying to, uh, trying to either keep up with or understand the, the growth process. Even like, even though they've experienced it on their own, it's hard to keep up with a, with a kid that's going through it. Yes. And I I like how at the end, I can't remember exactly who says it. It might be, you know, the old man who who is talking about, I just love it when she looks at us with those judgy eyes of hers. But like (laughs) the, uh, uh, the, the bird, he's, he's that, that bird uh, mascot or whatever. Yeah. At the end, he says like, nothing we did even mattered. (laughs) It was like, they, they had all these, all these things in place to try and stop medical mechanica, but it was like FL's fully coolly progressive is going to show you that even when the adults know exactly what's going on, there's mm-hmm. nothing they can really do about it because it's kind of their time has passed. And uh, medical mechanica being the thing that smooths everything out, you know, it's like when, when culture stops moving forward and it's like the new generation has to be the one that takes responsibility for moving things forward, for changing things, the new yeah. ideas and the personality of that generation, it has to all come from them. And even these old dudes who are like, none of them are bad guys, which is kind of, you know, uh, um, the eyebrow guy was sort of, uh, an obstacle and mm-hmm. was then at the end inadvertently was kind of aiding Hutterko. <clears throat> yeah. These dudes aren't the same. They they kind of seem like they've got this big master plan that's all coming together, and then they can't do it. It it doesn't mean anything in the end. Yeah, and they're like very well intentioned, obviously, but mm-hmm. just ineffective. Yeah. So I like how they didn't have to try and make them bad guys. Mm-hmm. Because I think that would have maybe muddied it a little bit. <clears throat> And maybe kind of, you know, retread what the first one did. Because the first one was a lot about Naoto just getting so sick of adults and the stuff that they either wanted for him or, like, wanted from him. Right. Like, all all of this stuff and, like, like the expectations and, like, you know, you should be drinking uh, bitter drinks and eating spicy food. And then, no, 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 you should stick to just drinking sweet drinks. And it's like, what? Why do you care? Stop! Get away from me. Probably would have been retread. And uh, you, you basically, all of that you just get from Hidomi's mom, who's kind of trying to, at this point, jam-pack her into a, uh, uh, a format, I guess, where it's like, you need to start acting like a lady, you know, start doing all this stuff. <clears throat> yeah, and then, um, what did she say? She said something to the effect of, like, uh, it was during that, like, when it looked like a manga um, and she was saying like, you look different, like you look completely different, even though she was acting the same. I think that her mom's perception had changed. Yeah. Like she was realizing that her daughter was becoming her own person. Yeah. And, uh, <clears throat> I, I like how she kind of 
any any kind of angst she, she okay so the angst she has towards her mom is that her mom is more willing to move on than she is mm-hmm. and then at the end her, her mom is you know the one who's saying well we can oh god i forgot about this moment until just now her mom was saying we could reopen the shop and you know uh, hidomi saying I'll, I'll help you at the shop and it's almost this kind of moment of maybe that's not the message you want her to get. It's like, you don't want to get stuck there, but the fact that she's willing to now say it and confirm, she's like, she's going to take the place of, I guess not take the place of her dad, but like try to be nurturing to her mom now instead, instead of her mom, just kind of having to take care of her as a single parent and Hidomi just kind of, putting pause on everything and coasting through it. She's now affirming. She's like, I'm going to help you at the shop. And then I love how shortly after the shop gets completely destroyed. Yes. So uh, it's but like, I, okay, I good. Do like the, the thing, the thing that I like about that though, is at the beginning, like it was talking about how she was doing this and I'm fairly certain it's implied that she wasn't even doing it for pay. Um, Oh just, yeah. Probably. It was just because she was the daughter and that she was doing it. But now she's actively going to be helping because I think even the mom was like, I need to hire somebody so that I'm not wasting your precious time. Yes. Um, and look at Jinyu when she works at the store. She looks ridiculous because she is the uh, masculine side of Hidomi wearing this maid outfit. But And she, she- cracks the plate in half just <laughs> like... Uh, um, What's her name? I can't um, remember her name from Gunbuster 2. <laughs> yeah, Gunbuster 2. <laughs> or a Diebuster. But yeah. Diebuster. Um it, it's something that Jinyu's like doing as a, a as a stoic duty. She's just like mm-hmm. in the uniform, she's working there doing her best even though she's not great at it cuz she's an incomplete being. But uh yeah. yeah, and and then Hidomi who is the character that then also gets a cool jacket. At the end, that's the character who's the one that's saying, okay, I, I will, I, I am going to help you at, at the yeah. shop or whatever. But, and then you kind of get told, well, that's not going to happen because the shop is destroyed. But it was an important character moment where she's like gotten to the point where she can start taking responsibility for her mom in a way. Mm-hmm. Uh, instead of, you know, thinking, mom, you should be taking care of me and also you should be putting a pause on the world too. <clears throat> like we both have to stay here and wait. Yeah. Uh, okay. Let's see. Ooh, what else? What was uh, What was the pop off for you? Uh, that's right. The real ones here. <laughs> that was my pop off because I was like, oh yeah. <clears throat> okay. Um, it it also could have been. I mean. Anything to do with that kind of first encounter with one of the monsters, mm-hmm. I was like, the direction on these scenes is totally different from the original, but that was what I was worried most about, because it was no longer Gynax. Okay. And, uh, you know, that um, was reassuring, because I thought it was really well done in a, in a good action scene. Yeah. Uh, which also gets totally flipped on its head again with alternative, but... <laughs> yeah. I think that... I think that my pop-off was just the complete and utter confusion and intrigue when she, like, in that first dream sequence, like, in that first episode. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I was, was just cool. like, 
what the frick is going on? Like, she's falling apart, and then, like, she lifts up her hands, and, like, you can see, like, the meat and bones, and I was like, what is going on? Yeah, so I I noticed this is the first one that, uh, or this, and it might even just be maybe the last couple episodes or the last episode, is the first time Fully Cooley gets into TVMA. Like it was, it it's always just been TV fourteen, mm-hmm. and then I think uh, some of them are still just TV fourteen. But at some point, I remember the corner says TVMA, and I was like, "Oh, ah, okay. interesting." So this is definitely at least pushing the envelope from the rating standpoint. More yeah, than I, the, uh, I the remember. Did. The only thing that I remember that would make it TVMA was the gore in the second episodes, um, the dream sequence. There's also and a lot then, more. There's a, there's a lot more language in this one. Well, see, at least not in the sub version. In the sub oh, okay. version, I mean, the the sub version has language, obviously, but it didn't have near as strong language as I was as I was quote unquote expecting. Uh, but then when he was talking to, like, when uh, Ida was doing the, the sales pitch to the quote-unquote Americans, hmm. um, and, like, they dropped a couple of F-bombs. And, like, that was the only time that I really remember reading an F-bomb. Gotcha. So, it may have just been, like, the way that they dubbed it. Well, <clears throat> uh, the, the s- I'm pretty sure the script was... I don't want to say that this was made to be a more mature kind of take, but it was mm-hmm. definitely made to be more modern, which mm-hmm. uh, swearing in this kind of stuff is more acceptable. Whereas you look at subs and dubs of the 90s and 80s, it was like the dub has no swearing because in the West, it's understood that animated things are for kids. So right. certain things are changed around and certain innuendos are kind of smoothed over. Whereas these days... Especially given the fact that Toonami is now considered part of Adult Swim rather than mm-hmm. an action block that could be for teens around there. It's like, this is for teens to adults now. Yeah. I, what I've noticed is that dubs tend to a- have more swearing and like more, uh, um, I guess, adult content in them than the subs do, which is, I mean, I'm not sure how I feel about that. I think you should try to maintain. What's there in yeah, the original? You, should, you shouldn't go either more or less. I think you should stay with. Yeah, and, and what I've noticed is that there's this unfortunate influence of uh, action Hollywood, per se, that's uh, creeping into everything to do with Japanese mm. localization that is maybe action-y. Like, I think I've said this before, all the Resident Evil games, like, it's just F-bombs every other sentence yeah, now. And I it's just like, you. what? That's not Resident Evil. I don't like this. But yeah, it could just be, it could just be me. But um, Yeah, I, um, I also, like, talking about it being more mature than the uh, than the previous Fully Cooling, <laughs> mm-hmm. I think that that's important because, like, it also... I mean, it's dealing with older kids and like this mm. one was much more sexual um, than of uh, the, or, uh, I actually I don't perceived know, it, it as more. I perceived it as more uh, sexual than fully Cooley, like the, the first fully Cooley. Um, I mean, there's some shots in the original fully Cooley, like that part where she's like pinning him down in his, in his room. Yeah. 
and I mean everything to do with the uh, uh, the horns that he's trying to hide. I mean they're obviously su- supposed to be reference to something else. Well, yes, yeah, but for, for some well, it, reason it's all very still, implied still. Yeah, I still found, or <laughs> I, I still feel that uh, fully coolly progressive was more sexual than fully coolly. Hmm. So. And I mean, definitely... I'm, like I said, I'm also I'm also a little bit more removed from Fully Cooley. Yeah. So maybe if I watched it again, maybe I'd change my mind. Because but... Fully Cooley has the whole thing where like uh, Haruko and Naoto's dad have that episode where he's oh, like yeah, her, ma- her massage machine or whatever. <laughs> there is that. Yeah. Marco's kind of a weird character that doesn't seem to really get to go anywhere. Yeah, that was that was a little frustrating for me, honestly, because that's one of my sticking points in the show, because now every time I watch it, I'm like, oh, yeah, Marco, what happened with him? And then you finish it and it's like nothing nothing really happened with Marco. Nothing happened. Yeah. It kind of felt like, especially in one episode where, you know, she's she's acting like the uh, she's acting out the the really extroverted, cute version of herself. It's Mm -hmm. like, oh, is Marco going to get a story? And then it really just goes nowhere. Yeah. And then, I mean, like he had that one time where he had the friggin palm tree sprout from his head and that was it. Yeah. And then he was just consigned to test friggin uh fair rides how freaking glorious was the animation on that that mech fight of sorts behind the uh the iron and all of that like the the carnival mech <laughs> it kind of it can't it comes out of nowhere and you know the, the whole point is to say that this is all the efforts of the previous generation to try to keep uh, medical mechanica from smoothing the world over it's like this is everything they're trying and it just it, it goes absolutely nowhere and did you notice that they are so okay so uh, uh the not political more like the social situation in japan kind of mm-hmm. helps you get context on the adults literally going out of their way to try to manipulate the kids into coupling because like Oh the, uh, man, I didn't even think about that. Yeah, the the population rate is um I guess the population growth in Japan it, it, it's mm-hmm. not very optimistic. Yeah, and what like, do they call them neats? <clears throat> yeah, well, neats one way of neats kind of a, a different aspect where it's like, you know, okay. these these are just people who won't who won't participate. They won't do anything. They're not interested. And you know, as a result, you know, they don't they don't go settle down and have kids or anything. But like it's 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 like they've created this carnival to try and get the kids to get into couples. And then at some point, they are literally using the children as ammo <laughs> against the iron that is that is coming to, to smooth everything out. So it's like they're in. in OK, and, and it doesn't seem it's manipulative, but it doesn't seem like evil what the adults are doing in this one it's kind of just like come on kids you gotta do something and they're just firing them out of the problem (laughs) or it's like get out of the house go find a nice girl give me grandkids (laughs) exactly that's that's what (laughs) that's what the whole adult plot is in this movie is go give me grandkids (laughs) 
<laughs> yeah, that's interesting because okay, that's that's a funny thing because I in the first Fully Cooley, at least looking back, like it feels like a younger parent, like a younger yes. parent's perspective, <clears throat> and this one definitely feels like an older parent's perspective. Yeah, or slash grandparents, and and it's yeah. also uh, in, in the original there was the issue where it felt like uh, Naoto's brother, I mean, most of all, and then it seemed even his dad were, was going to be uh, stealing his girl. Yeah. Where it was like the image of his brother was keeping him from being able to kind of properly interface with uh, What's-Her-Face, the smoker, and then Haruko was like, going after his dad after a point to kind of manipulate him. So it's kind of that thing where it's like, yeah, yeah. The younger parent and like older brother thing where it's like, he's in their shadow and he, and he's trying to, he, it's almost like he's having to compete with them. Whereas yeah, in this one to break from their competition. Yeah. Where it is in this one, it's the adults that are the ones that want to move on. And mm-hmm. it's the kids that want stasis. Hmm. That being said, I'm not not Ide. Ide's kind of you okay, you know, normally when you have the uh the male protagonist, the female love interest is the one that seems to be leaving everyone behind, you know, she's a few levels above everyone else. Right. And in this one they basically just swap the genders on that where you know, of course Ide being a high school boy is still, you know, interested in Hidomi. But the reason he's interested in her is that he's almost kind of, like, vexed by her. Mm-hmm. Whereas it's not the typical thing where it's like, oh, she's so cool or whatever. Or, you know, she's so uh, capable. Whereas he, that's him in in this case. Where it's like yeah. she she's the one who's never really done anything. And she gets a window into his life. And it's like he's struggling and he's doing everything. And then, like, even in that scene, he saves her from like that situation. So that's gotta be kind of, uh, you know, a hit to her ego. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, and then, uh, it's her that gets the scene where it's like Haruko is on top of Ide and that makes her finally overflow. Like it makes it like locked down. Mm hmm. And also uh, here, I, I think that this was really on the nose and, and let me, let me, Check it real quick. Okay. Uh, but here, hold on. Are you thinking about the um, little speakers, the little little dice speakers that were clearly EA's balls? <laughs> no. Um, he gets I completely was... dehydrated where there is nothing that remains of him but his seed. No, I because was Because that's checking... all Haruka wanted him for. But yeah. I was checking to see because um, the shape of the... Uh, the shape of the thing that she made, um, I, I thought that it was going to be more specific, but no, it's just a brain. Oh, okay. it just—it it was just like a very abstract brain, or at least that's how I saw it. So, yeah. So um, I thought that it was going to be more specific, as like really on the nose pituitary gland, but no, it's <laughs> the, the pituitary gland looks different. Uh, so I, I've got—I wrote a note down. And it has oh. to do it has to do with belt. And, okay. But I don't remember it actually, which is, huh? But okay. I wrote down Hidomi's robo belt. 
which now I feel like I'm going to have to scrub what? through an episode to figure out what in the world was I talking about. Ro- robo-belt? I don't remember Some, a robo-belt. Something to do with a robot where someone got punched, I think. Which, oh. I mean, I would think that would be at the end, but at the point where I wrote this, it seems kind of early on, which tells me, oh my god, am I possibly looking at a before and after thing in the story, so... Are you talking about when she turns into the itty bitty little robot and she tries to punch um, uh, Hara Hara and and she accidentally punches herself and gives her a self belt? Yes. Hey, that there we is go. What I I'm talking you. about. Yeah, and then at the end when she has that huge robotic fist. Mm-hmm. Like, uh, and also, have you noticed? Um, she seems to like seeing others in pain when she's in her unconscious. That's what her dreams are about. And then when she sees Ide taking a beating and like taking it, like he, Mm -hmm. he's surviving it that like endears him to her. So she's kind of trying to find someone who can take a beating and maybe not run from it, which is her current idea of, uh, you know, the, the, the male figure. I mean, they don't tell you why the dad leaves, but you get the idea that, you know, a small business owner, maybe he just didn't want the struggle. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah, that's really, that's, yeah, I didn't think about that. But yeah, I mean, even in her dreams, it's not even like other people as, or, but it's also her. Like when she was, that really weird scene when she was talking about like, having her flesh ripped off like that was like yeah okay yeah yeah yeah. well (laughs) gross but but she low-key wants her life to be destroyed right and like i mean i I think we even talked about this last week when we were talking about fight club but like that primal um that yeah primal thing in your brain that's like i want something to be just so catastrophic that it completely ends and changes everything yeah and the fact that he Mm -hmm. spoilers like (laughs) oh uh, i didn't think about that darn it uh i'll i'll okay so i'll tell people that (laughs) uh, i'll say like like a little I don't know what I'm going to do about that. Darn it. I might just have to edit it out just so people can listen to this. Just warm without it. Getting... <laughs> <laughs> Maybe. Well, I mean, but we already kind of talked about Fight Club spoilers. Yeah, but we uh, the, the thing that like I felt okay talking about it was like we were just talking about people standing that's in true, front of true, destruction. So, I mean. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, okay. Well, that's true. I'll just have to warm that one. Okay. <laughs> Even though... Uh, darn it! I think it's a good, it's a good thought. But <laughs> it's also that's also one of the the minor spoilers of Fight Club. But mm-hmm. okay, so uh, I think maybe this was a part of Episode Four, but I wrote down one of my favorite lines, which was, "On second thought, maybe you should be the firework instead." Hmm. Yeah, and uh, the fact that kind of leading up to that, um. Jinyu is time. You know, she says, "Do you remember being a kid and trying to, uh, like, like going to see fireworks with your family, and then later trying to draw a picture of it? Yeah, but you can't, like, like you can't capture it without covering the entire page black. Yeah, and I wrote down, 
Yeah, fire fireworks need a dark night sky to shine against. Mm. And it's like this whole town is uh which if you noticed a, a lot of this helps when you contrast it against uh the original. Mhm. I mean the original being like everything was kind of stuck in twilight the whole time. Yeah. Like it was had that yellowish glow to it where it was like something's about to happen. It's this kind of confused middle ground and you know it was about puberty. Whereas this place is stuck in daylight. It's almost like it, it it's stuck just trying to keep a happy face on. Yeah. And then, you know, it's why she's dreaming about destruction, like something happening. But like it's like they're they're waiting for the night to finally come. Yeah. Just, you know, to get to get some fireworks against it. It, it, it. One might say, one might suggest. That's uh that but, that whole speech though. That was like the whole time she was saying I was like Oh, oh, okay. That's sitting close to home. <laughs> like, yeah, 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 I do remember I doing that. Yeah, I, I, okay, see, I, I don't quite remember doing that per se, but I remember, like, maybe trying something similar to mm-hmm. that. But, yeah, it seemed pretty intuitive, I guess you could say. Yeah, it's like, ah, that that was a really good, that's a really good quote. That's probably my favorite, actually. <clears throat> my but, my uh, favorite is definitely when um, when the main girl, gosh, her name, whatever. Uh, but when she says, um, "Is that the right answer?" and then Haru Haru uh, says, uh, "You make your own answers." Yeah, I like mm, I like getting those those little windows into like what Haruko like y- used to be. Mm-hmm. And maybe like you know the good that's in her that if she would just kind of you know grow up. drop the yeah grow up if she would just drop the obsession mm-hmm. with this guy who's never going to pay attention to her. <clears throat> uh, let's see. There's at some point I, I think it's in episode five they're talking about you got to use your own bat. Mm-hmm. And then. You know, he because he, he's trying or uh, uh, she's trying to fight with that other guitar, and it's not working out for her. Right. Which I mean, I think it, I think it's a good line. It's also a little obvious, especially if you watch the original, mm-hmm. where like when he finally gets that lead guitar to come forth from himself, whereas like everything else was a bass guitar. And then when he gets that uh, white flying V, it's like, that's the one that he can really use. Yeah. Ooh. And also, uh, this, like, you know, this is almost like an echo just from that. And who there was somebody in the show that had the white flying V. I, th- uh, I think that it may have been Genio. Huh. Hold on. Yeah, I think she does have a white guitar, but well, right. uh, I do remember seeing a flying V uh, somewhere in the show. But I guess I'll just have to revisit it some other time and see if I can find that point because that could have some kind of implications. Mm-hmm. I am going to say that uh, I was wondering when something to do with Naoto was going to show up mm-hmm. when I was watching the show, and something that made me think that he was going to show up 
was it was only for a split second, but it was when um, Hine, her mom, was saying, "I wonder when he's coming back." Yeah, and I was thinking, "Oh wait, is it Naoto?" And I'm so glad it isn't because that would have sucked. Yeah, like waiting for the original main character to come back. It's like, yeah, okay, back to the same, uh, completely, j- just soulless jurassic world format where it's like we'll bring back the old thing and it's the winner and it's better now Mm -hmm. but yeah i'm glad that didn't happen uh okay so the scene where uh raharu devours jinyu Mm -hmm. like she even says i'm gonna devour you was at least what she says in the dub Mm -hmm. and then the scene at the end where they kind of come together again, but it's it doesn't happen the same way. Because when she devours her, you know, she gets that big gut yes, or whatever. It's almost and it's pregnancy. Almost like, yeah, like she's hidden her. Like she's trying to stuff her away, and it's like, we can see that. Yeah. <laughs> you, you're keeping something in there. I mean, we, we, we can see it. And she's still just being the kind of split up, incomplete version of Raharu. Right. Uh, and then at the end... When uh, Jin Yu kind of comforts her after, once again, it doesn't work. She's not able to get uh, Adamisk to even, like, notice her. I like se. I like that it keeps not working, too. Yes. Well, because it, it shouldn't work. If it right. did work... Okay. This is where I think people are throwing around accusations for this show. Where, where th- they think this thing is happening. But it's not. The thing that's happening being... You're you're misunderstanding the original point and maybe changing things because you didn't quite get it. And that's why I was worried about uh, Haruko potentially getting like a Jack Sparrow situation where it's like, well, now she's the main character. Yeah. I was like, oh, no, this might actually be about her successfully getting together with Adamesk. That would be horrible. Yeah, and that would completely that would be... change the message. Yeah. And it would be a terrible message. But um, yeah, it doesn't happen. Like, I, th- I think they have a good grasp on what they were doing, even though these are different writers, mm-hmm. which is, you know, another thing. I think people were maybe worried about that, and then they assumed to themselves, well, it must have happened. And then they, yeah. Yeah. Which sucks. <laughs> yeah. And uh, I, I'm, after watching this and, like, talking about it now, I'm, like, I'm, I'm really kind of, I don't know, I'm, I'm upset that so many people didn't like it and like had this negative reaction to it. And, uh, then a lot of them didn't even watch alternative as a result Hmm. and alternative alternative is is so it's, it's so very different, but, um, so, so you have watched alternative already. Yeah. Well, I mean, mean, well, not recently. Okay. This was also the second time that I watched progressive. Okay. But I, I like I watched these when they were when they were being aired. Okay. Unlike the original, which I didn't get to until later than most people. But um. Yeah, I I think it's a shame that this maybe doesn't get the attention that I think it or not attention. This doesn't get the appreciation that I think it it deserves, and it it almost feels like it it should really be appreciated by the people that like the original. Yeah. Instead of what I think has maybe happened is that it it stopped being about the original, you know, was so, so life changing for me that I want 
this one to be the same. Hmm. And it's like, that kind of goes against the message of the show in a way. Yeah. Like now you're, you're, uh, you're putting, you're putting a progressive and alternative into the Naoto box where it's like, well, you're not as good as your brother. Mm. And not letting it be <clears throat> uh, which, its own I mean, thing. Right. Which I mean, could also be a cop out, especially if it turned out progressive and alternative weren't very good, but in my opinion, they are very good. Uh, once again, I mean, you can't really replace Gynax. I mean, not even Gynax can be Gynax anymore. <laughs> right. oh. uh, but like, and especially Gynax at that time with that style, there's nothing like it. So. What was the studio get, that made this one? Uh, sorry, I had it right in front of me. Production IG. Have they made anything else? I mean, I'm sure that they have. I mean, they they made a lot of stuff. Uh, in in particular, they made the original in collaboration with uh, Kynax. Oh, cool. Let me see. I'm going to bring up their um, portfolio, I guess. I'm bringing it up as well. <clears throat> oh, man. Yeah, that's a lot of them. Yeah. That's a lot of this stuff is, to get in through. In fact, this is too much to, to get through. Oh, they did uh one they did a version of Ghost in the Shell. Oh, they did Eden Eden of the East. There's something I know you've seen. Oh yeah. They did a Parappa the Rapper series. I didn't even know that happened. That's interesting. Oh, it looks but like yeah. they may have done Psychopass. <laughs> yeah, they did. Uh Ah, yeah, there but it is. any anyway, they're they're good, mm-hmm. but they're not Gynax, and Gynax's style is very much. I mean, you then see it happen. You then see Fully Coolie show up in later Gynax things, right? So it, it's kind of like in one timeline, Fully Coolie doesn't get a sequel because Gynax didn't work on it, and Fully Coolie as a sequel per se. Then is just seen in later Gynax work and then in later Trigger work. Right. But then in the other timeline, Production IG, the other studio who worked on it, goes to make the official sequels. And I guess just that kind of split makes it where people are kind of able to pick which one they like. Yeah. And, uh, but I mean, I don't know. I, th- I think it's kind of important to have the canon one. Canon is actually important, even though everyone's all about headcanon now. I think uh, canon is pretty valuable, and that's that's what that's what's so frustrating of th- about things like uh, Disney throwing out Star Wars Legends and whatever, and like, well, this is the new canon, and then there the whole reason was because Legends had so many like inconsistencies and wasn't really like managed very well, and then mm-hmm. now with the new canon, the same thing's happening. So it's like, well, Disney, could we maybe just pick and choose but you can't because you need canon <laughs> yeah and did did you hear about the i think it was a star wars or disney exact that was like um oh don't worry about canon it's all fake anyway and like everybody was like no screw you <laughs> oh that's so wrong <laughs> that's such a bad take holy crap well i mean that guy was probably a suit right uh, i think it was a girl i don't remember uh but yeah she well, was that, that person was probably a suit. oh yeah they're probably not like she was a an executive or yeah she was yeah 
Well, I mean, I guess I wouldn't expect them to have a very nuanced take on that because making canon important would be a bad decision for them at this juncture. <laughs> but yeah, canon's important. So I, I mean, people, lots of people, lots of like high-profile anime critics on YouTube, mm-hmm. which uh, I don't know if I said how much I am frustrated with a lot of that whole scene. But, um, yeah, this got panned hard, and so did Alternative. And it's to the point where the the only way you see a positive take on this is when someone's doing a defense of, or they have to say why I like it. And uh, in my opinion, I mean, sure, that's fine. I mean, I'm glad there's even people talking about it. Mm -hmm. It's not persona non grata. But it sucks that the conversation has to be okay, but hang on, maybe it's good, instead of being digging deeper and deeper and deeper and deeper, like people got to do with uh, the original Foley Cooley. Right. Because everyone's kind of like, the negative for Foley Cooley is, that was weird, I didn't particularly like it. And then when everyone else who did like it, it's like, oh, there's just, we keep finding more. Mm -hmm. Whereas, uh, unfortunately, you don't get quite as many paragraphs upon essays upon like entire books full of things written about progressive where it's like, Oh yeah, I didn't notice that. I didn't think about that. Uh, and then, you know, just because of how much time has passed, that's probably not going to change at this point. Yeah. And because unfortunately progressive from the beginning is a middle child, you know, it, it was made with the third one. So it is neither, the beginning nor is it the the final word on things so uh, as a result it's always going to be talked about a little less yeah that's really unfortunate oh by the Which, by, uh, by the way i found uh i found out who it was that said <laughs> it and it's even worse that the star wars thing uh uh-huh. it's a lucasfilm story group creative executive uh so he's like one of the story people <laughs> Uh, oh no! Yeah, and he, uh, yes, uh, pretty much saying how much? How much you want to bet they had a paycheck to his back when he said that? I have no idea, but man, <laughs> it, it was like it was a tweet where he said, uh, "There's a reason we uh, we need to internally know what's what is and what isn't canon, so we can keep our line of official storytelling as aligned as possible." Uh, but that doesn't mean fans can't individually pick and choose what they want to accept as true. And then he followed that up with a tweet that said, it's all fake anyway, so you can choose to accept whatever you want as part of the story. I'm sorry, but if you're working on story, <laughs> you're not allowed to say anything is fake. Like, because what? clearly you're not qualified to even know what a story what is. kind of idiot? <laughs> uh. That's awful. What an awful take. Oh boy. <laughs> anyway, sorry. <laughs> I'm beside myself. I don't know what I don't know what else to do with that, but uh. Oh my gosh. It's all fake. You That's even bad from a corporate perspective. Like that's a bad business move to say it's all fake. It's like, what? First of all, no it isn't. There's no such thing as a fake story. Second of all, like what? Hey <laughs> You want people to be excited about this. Yeah. You can't, you don't just say, ah, it's all fake. Don't worry about it. <laughs> like, what? 
Okay, no, we gotta get off of that. I'm, that's that's like that's I, frustrating. You can't do anything with that. Uh, My gosh. <clears throat> okay, so let's go through the pillars. Okay. Unless there's something that you had in in mind, maybe. No. Uh, yeah, we can go through the pillars. So cool. Uh, we have we have the three pillars of what we call belt, which is the the fun genre that we enjoy a lot. Um, yes. Just defined by uh, violent optimism and uh, and being very uplifting. Um, well, and uh, uplifting in a way that isn't just just be happy, right? Which you know the end. It's a, a uh, an an antithesis speech is given in this show by Rahuru to the class, where she's saying. Born to be mild, you know, be as adequate as you can. Mm-hmm. You know, it would be the opposite of that. It's like, keep getting better, keep going beyond. Yeah. Uh, so, the the three pillars that we have are legacy, potential, and tragedy. That, and they have some specific uh, subtitles there. But so, legacy and the hero driving change. And I mean... I, I would define the hero as uh, the main girl. Hidomi, yeah. Uh, and I would definitely say that she is, one, she had the legacy of her father left behind. Um, right. She had to pick up where he refused to leave off. Right. And uh, and so then her driving change, I, I think that she's definitely driving change at the end, especially within herself. And, like, like even when she was saying, like... Uh, you know, I don't know what I want to do. I don't know what I want to be, but that doesn't matter. I think that she's still driving change in that moment because right. she's deciding from here, I get to start fresh. Yeah. And she's no longer stuck in limbo. Right. Like she was kind of just stuck in a purgatory waiting on her dad to come back, whether or not that was even going to happen. You know, uh, uh, so it, it, it was all just stasis before. And it the the adults who are trying to create change can't, mm-hmm. so they they cannot drive change. It isn't until she becomes herself at last that you get the feeling that it's like okay, well now the now we can go somewhere. Yeah. Now the iron is no longer a threat. Yeah. Um. And I mean, in that moment when the iron is trapped by the growth. Coming from, um, uh, oh, what's her? Ico. 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 Yeah, it, it's like new life mm-hmm. is what stops it in place. I mean, it's, it's pretty on the nose. But yeah. all of these characters being like the young people are the ones that have to, the, the responsibility to change things is on them. Mm-hmm. The adults can't do it. All the adults can do is try to f- try to facilitate it, which at this point they have to go beyond facilitating and are trying to just take matters into their own hands using the students as literal ammunition <laughs> against, you know, oblivion. Huh. But, uh, yeah, I, I would say it fits into that. And the legacy being you're no longer trapped yeah. by a previous legacy. So now you can start a new one. Yeah. Uh, any other thoughts on that one? Um, no, I, I, it, you reminded me when we were talking, when you were talking about like, she was just waiting in that purgatory. It just reminded me of, uh, the, the book, Oh, the places you'll go by Dr. Seuss. Yeah. 
there's a part where he talks about like, and sometimes you'll just end up in a waiting place and it's the worst because there's just people waiting just everywhere and yeah. just leave. Like <clears throat> you can leave the waiting place. Right. And, uh, what I think is interesting is that you don't get any story about a character that leaves mm. in this one. Whereas you did get that from the first one. That was one of my favorite parts. But, uh, mm-hmm. with this one, it's more like people woke up. Yeah. And are, are now able to kind of participate in what is already there. But also this town takes considerable more, considerably more damage than the one in the first one did. Yes. So maybe it's a situation where it's like, well, none of us are going to stay here. I mean, it's all gone. I mean, that mochi man just raining from the sky. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Which, okay. I need to figure out why mochi, like, whoa, why mochi? (laughs) I don't know. It made sense to me at the time. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, that's the whole thing. This whole thing, this whole show I think that this is why it appeals to me on such a subconscious level. But the whole show almost operates in this, like, dream logic state. Yeah. Where, um, I mean, I feel like that's, like, the most logical thing that we can really comprehend is that dream logic, because that's what our brain just understands. Yeah, um, like, logic as it is known in the waking world and, like, science and stuff like that, that's just us putting on hats. Mm. Like, that's just interfacing with something that's not natural to us. Mm-hmm. Currently, we're the only ones who can do that. <laughs> like, there's no other animals that can think of anything logically or scientifically. Right. It just, it doesn't mean anything to them. Uh, but we are animals, and this kind of thing is what makes the most sense. Mm-hmm. It's like, this is the actual logic for for our brains. Yeah. Uh, but yeah. Yeah, it's it's and I I like how uh, progressive didn't go out of its way to explain the original. Yes, because the first one doesn't need explaining. That would have that that really that would have been a very big blemish if it. Yeah, did when, that. when you start to think about the other ways that sequels go wrong, this really doesn't participate in those. Mm-hmm. And I like how it is more of an anthology. Yeah. Than a sequel, it's not FLCL. It's not fully coolly two. It's fully coolly progressive. Yeah. It's a it's a subtitle, which is I think the only way they could have done this. Yeah. So, all right here. Uh, so potential and fighting for tomorrow. I think that this fully coolly one and two are just completely laced with potential. Yes, I mean that's what it's all about with, with tomorrow. Yeah, I mean it's about uh, adolescence and whatever, mm-hmm. and you know not not quite having decided what or who you're going to be because Haruko refuses to stop being that Peter Pan figure that never grows up. Right. Uh, I mean, that's a central theme. And then the main character in both goes through uh, a situation where it's like they have potential, but they don't know how to use it. And they know it's there. Like in her dream, she becomes like that, that mech robot thing. Mm -hmm. Like, that's clearly there, but then you see her go about her day, and she's not even participating. But it's like, there's something there that you could be using, but she's just not doing yeah. it. Because she would, I, I guess, uh, what you're meant to think is that she's, um, I guess, 
She thinks it would be wrong to realize her potential because her dad isn't there to see it, per se. Yeah. And that's a tough pill to swallow, but yeah. Oh, yeah. But I think it, uh, I I love that it does stress, like, no, you can't just, you can't just sit around and wait. Like, life happens to you whether or not you're waiting for it. Mm Mm-hmm. And what I think is interesting is that uh, uh, Haruko almost kind of has a point mm-hmm. when she is like, she's kind of put a put a uh, drawn a line in the sand to say that Jinyu isn't enough for her, like the masculine side of herself is not enough for her. Mm. Like she needs, she needs someone else. Yeah, it's just in going about that she has rejected that side of herself. So it's almost, you know, that's a rejection of who you could be and maybe even who you were in a way with, uh, Haruko in particular. But then, um, with Hidomi, she's the one that accepts her version of Jinyu per se. Yeah. And I mean, I think it's important that, uh, Haruko, like she's not all together at the end. Yes, that was good because in the original, you know, she's kind of aloof about everything Mm -hmm. and she kind of, you can tell she might be kind of lying about how impressed or unimpressed she is with what uh, Naoto is able to accomplish. But she's, she's still, I like how she's still not quite a full character on her own. She's still just kind of like a presence that that, that comes and goes in these people's lives. Yeah. And like, in this case, it's more like Jin Yu's coming and going in, uh, Hidomi's life. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <sighs> All right. And so the last pillar is uh, tragedy and sacrifice. And last episode, we've, we kind of figured out that those are going to be bookends. Like tragedy is at the, at the front end and sacrifice is at the tail end. And so I would say that, Oh, um, Oh my, my, my actual favorite line, which I wanted to say. Oh, okay. Being absolutely having to do with this, where it's, if you don't have something, you're going to have to hand over what you have. Mm, that was a good one. So it's like, you know, it, if you, if you want something, there's something that you don't have, you, you have to sacrifice something from of the things you have, you have to give it up in order to replace it with something else, Yeah. which, you know, could be considered a limiting viewpoint. Uh, what with these gents who want to talk about, you know, being more than what you are. I mean, just look at Dr. Stone. He never compromises. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and, uh, but, but the thing is, you often will have to hand over something that is inferior. Mm-hmm. Like, but you don't either know that it's inferior or you don't, uh, you like it. You like the thing about you that's inferior, yeah. that's uh, useless or, or pathological or whatever. You like it. It's part of your personality. It's who you are. Yeah, I mean, uh, if we if we look at um, the, the main girl, like her her thing that she you had. You cannot remember her name, I can cannot you? remember her name. I... Hidomi. <laughs> okay. Hidomi? Hidomi. H-I-D-O-M-I. Hidomi. 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 Okay. 
Um, <laughs> gosh, it's terrible. Uh, but yeah, Hidomi. This is why the dubs are good because you hear it said to you in a voice you can understand. Yeah, I know. <laughs> so it sticks. And it's with not you. <laughs> out of order in the sentence structure. It's okay. I'm remember. I'm the heretic. <laughs> you're, 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 the heretic is comforting you. <laughs> um, but he, when um, the thing that Hidomi has to to sacrifice is the comfort in waiting, because there is like a oh yes, there is. Th- there's like a, I mean, like there's there's a reason that people enjoy sitting on the couch and watching TV and eating chips and not doing anything. There, it, the, the it, hedonism it also, is like it, it's comforting in this in this well and nihilism is comforting yeah I mean she can blame her dad for her life never beginning yeah if if he never came back she can continue blaming him or she can blame her mother or uh, you know some people can uh, blame God mm-hmm in terms of like nihilism, it's like, well, God never came back. Mm. It's like, God left me. I, I was, I was separated from, from my belief in God and it never came back. So what's the point? And it's like, it's God's responsibility to believe in me and, and whatever. Mm. Uh, that's very comfortable. It's, it's like, you know, you, you don't have, you, you worry about so much less. I mean, she just, puts on her headphones and and you know just goes about her day it's very easy it's very it's very it's very relaxed yeah she just blocks it all out in that way i mean it's the idea that you know you don't have to worry about i can't see you you can't see me i I don't have to worry about it yeah and uh ide really messes that up for her Mm -hmm. because she almost accidentally sees him like struggling with everything and like facing uh, you know, struggles. <laughs> I mean, he was literally getting whipped from the back of a Volkswagen. <laughs> oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. Like, uh, and and he's not just a one-note person. Mm-hmm. Like, her whole personality is that one thing she does all the time, which is not participate, and everyone knows her for that. So that's her thing. But that's what she's gonna have to give up. And Ide being a more you know, he doesn't he still has potential, obviously, because he's not a fully grown adult or anything, right. but he's clearly contending with his potential. And I mean, that kind of uh, that points driven home by the fact that his monsters that come out are blobs. They're like shapeless. They're formless. They're in they're in the process, whereas she is just rotting away. Yeah. So, uh Yeah. She has to give something up, something that she has in order to get something she doesn't have. And it is <clears throat> inferior, but it's more comfortable. Yes, exactly. She's having to give up comfort. And then, I mean, it's, 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 I mean, everything's symbolic, of course, but it's symbolic that her home, the shop is destroyed mm-hmm. in that moment where she's doing that, where she's, she's giving up the comfort, the safety, you know, the, the staying home, uh, you know, uh, being taken care of by mom, she's giving all that up and then it's destroyed. It's like, well, yes, because she's not going to go back. Yeah, it's like the moment that (laughs) that you pull that safety net away is when that safety net becomes 
not an option anymore anyway. <laughs> yes, and thank goodness, because now your only direction you can go is forward. Mm-hmm. So, the idea uh, yeah. you... Oh, the, I, this goes back to the idea that you can't go home. Like, you, you can't go back to the way you were. Oh, yeah. Rod, Rod Serling has such a good speech about that. He's the, uh, the, the Twilight... Or the Twilight Zone guy. Mm. Where he talks about, you know, uh, when he went home, it was like nothing was the same. Nothing had changed. And, you know, I mean, I mean uh, nothing was nothing was the same. Everything was different. Like stores had come and gone and, you know, uh, people had moved out. But the ones that were there, it was almost kind of sad mm. to find them still here. Like there, there's kind of a uh, a melancholy to finding people who you used to know are still in your hometown. Yeah. Uh, but yeah. Oh my gosh. Oh, okay. Apparently Kazuyo, uh, Tsurumaki was involved in the sequels. Mm. Why do I, why did I keep hearing one of like, okay. One of the linchpins for the criticisms I was hearing was that he wasn't involved. Oh, he's a supervisor. Okay. So that's, that's industry code for we'd let him know we were doing yeah, it. Yeah, and he gave us his blessing. Okay, 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 okay. So people weren't lying. Good, good, good. Yeah, when when someone's a supervisor, mm, it doesn't really count. That's kind of like uh, those Quentin Tarantino presents things, where it's like, yeah, Quentin Tar- Tarantino literally never set foot on this set or saw a scrap of dialogue mm. from this script. Like, he just, <laughs> you said, I'm working on a thing. <laughs> Could you put your name on it? It's like okay. it's like when you it's like when okay. you take a, a, a form to your parents and they're like, "Hey, can you sign this?" And they're like, "What's it for?" And it's like, "Oh, my teacher just wanted you to sign it." And they're like, "Oh, okay, okay." So yeah, this was directed by the director of uh, Psychopaths. Oh, interesting. And, okay. um, had the character designer. That's very from, different. Uh, yeah, I had the character designer from Evangelion, but I get the feeling that the guy who works on Psychopaths. It was probably a fan of Fully Cooley at some point mm-hmm. in his life. Yeah, I mean, he so. clearly understood it. He, he's also an accomplished storyteller, so he's probably not in, he's probably not a dummy. I'm, I'm, my thing is, I don't think Fully Cooley should be given to... This shouldn't be someone's first project. Yeah. Like, this needs to be given to someone with a whole lot of sensitivity for this kind of... Uh, more symbolic storytelling. Anyway, um, moving on. Yeah. So from the uh, the potential thing. Well, so the uh, the only oh wait we we just covered tragedy and sacrifice. Or well, uh, well I guess we didn't cover tragedy. I I would say tragedy since it's the the beginning book since their book ends, uh, and tragedy being at the beginning. I would say tragedy is. I mean we we've. We've seen this a lot, but like the tragedy of a life wasted. Yeah, life, well, a life and, wasted and the, in that in that purgatory. Yeah, and the tragedy of the loss of a parent, be it loss of life or just loss of them in your life. Yeah. Um. And yeah, her, her she's just been wasting her life. Yeah. And you get the feeling that she's kind of a microcosm for the whole town, just like you did with the original Fully Cooley, is a, a town that refuses to change, that's kind of stuck in stasis. Yeah. And what I think is funny is that 
maybe this is just because you know I want to I want to make everything about what's happening to me right now but it seems like this strikes a chord with the current society Hmm. and I've said this before where it's like I get the feeling that the generation below millennials so below us Mm -hmm. and probably the upcoming generation below them they kind of don't have their own stuff they're all getting remakes and retoolings of things that the boomers and the millennials and Gen Xers had where it's like they're getting recycled things. And it's, I, I think it, it, it's kind of, it's kind of, uh, uh, tragic. Yeah. Like it's, it's like, we're, we're really not doing them. Uh, we're doing them dirty by not giving them their own thing. It's like kids today are playing Pokemon and animal crossing. That kind of depresses me. Like, and, and, and is, you like, know, is uh, there nothing new? It's kind of like, um, I mean, this isn't a spoiler for Knives Out, but what? Huh? Oh, it sounded like you shushed me. <laughs> no, 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 no. I, that's my allergies. Oh, okay. I was trying to blow my nose. <laughs> uh, but it was kind of like, a, I mean, this isn't a spoiler for Knives Out, but when, um, when the, uh, Harlan, when he says like, no, I didn't want you selling my stories. I wanted you to write your own. Like, oh yeah. Like I wanted you oh, to create something. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that movie is really good. If you haven't watched it, Knives Out, go watch Knives Out. It is too good of a movie for you to miss. Sound on video. Sound in the red box. Mm-hmm. It's probably streamable everywhere. Yeah, I think yeah, it might be coming really to movie. Amazon Prime. Like yeah. soon. So uh, yeah, go watch that movie. But yeah, just I, I've said this before, where it's. It seems like the current situation, this kind of story should resonate like heartily mm-hmm. where it's like the adults are, are trying to. Well, and, and of course, this isn't the case with all adults. There's plenty of adults acting like the ones in the original Foley Cooley. Right. Where it's like, we want you to do this and do this for us. And uh, that that definitely resonated with millennials, I would say, mm-hmm. because millennials kind of uh, were raised by boomers and boomers are known for. Uh, do this thing that I want you to do yeah. because I'm entitled to it. That's kind of uh, a, a vice of that generation. And then a vice of the millennials is you messed everything up for me and now I can't fix it. Mm. And then with Gen Z just, and of course I'm not a part of Gen Z and of course they're all young. They haven't really come into their own yet right. to get their, their own well-known terrible thing they do. But <laughs> <clears throat> it, it kind of feels like a lack of authenticity where they, they aren't getting to engage with anything real. And, uh, they're, they're just kind of getting, they're getting hand-me-downs. Yeah. They're getting cultural hand-me-downs. And, uh, yeah, I mean that, I find that kind of depressing because I had all my own things. Like all of the stuff that I was into as a kid was, it was all totally new, save for, I don't know, Looney Tunes, but I wouldn't, I wasn't into Looney Tunes. It was just a funny show on the TV. Yeah. And like, I would also say, I would also clarify and say that like hand-me-downs are not bad, but when all you're receiving is hand-me-downs. Yes. When, when all you're getting is, is RoboCop remake and Pokemon go and the live action Disney films. Yes, dear God, <laughs> it's awful. And and 
when uh the your when your Star Wars movies are almost remakes of previous Star Wars movies. It's like at least the prequels were completely different from the original trilogy, yeah. for better or worse. It at least gave you know millennials their own Star Wars to to remember and look back on. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. No, it's it's all counterfeit, and uh, I don't know. I I think that this story feels somewhat relevant to that, where it's like the people, the the young people are stuck in stasis. Mm -hmm. Like they've got nothing of their own. And, uh, you know, the, the, the shop, the coffee shop, the cafe kind of needs to get destroyed. Yeah. Kind of just gotta go and leave home. Don't go back. Yes. And, uh, uh, you know, maybe <laughs> maybe physics will do you a favor and destroy home for yeah, you. Yeah, throw, throw mochi all around your home and don't clean it up and leave. <laughs> Great advice. <laughs> yeah, and unique advice. You'll be the talk of the town. You won't find this information anywhere else. <laughs> Ain't no one telling you about this new tech. <laughs> <laughs> all right so uh did you have anything else or do you want to move on to the last question yeah let's move on all right so the last question will decide uh does it set your soul ablaze it sets mine ablaze when i just think about her in that cool jacket <laughs> and kind of you know after winning a fight and kind of like then again you just I, like cool jackets so <laughs> i do i do but you know i i, I also like I, I also like the girl who who gets the guy mm. that's I, that's always been cool especially when the guy wasn't a weakling mm. like mm-hmm. ide was ide was, was funny fit and responsible mm-hmm. so it's like yeah that's one worth getting and then she gets him yeah yeah, I would say that it sets my soul ablaze. I, 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 I think that this is one of those stories that I don't have to fully understand to like get that. I mean, to get that burn. And I mean, if we were talking about this before we were recording, but it definitely set that burn in me. <laughs> oh yeah, and um, I was I would make the argument that most stories don't need to be fully understood per se, because I think the understanding is usually 80% intuitive mm-hmm. with any given story. I think with this one, it probably crosses over into 98.5, <laughs> but like it has to really be intuitive, but like most things, I mean, th- think about how ridiculous stories are. Mm. Like you go to a movie theater and you start s- seeing stuff happen. That doesn't make any sense whatsoever. Like, First of all, animation doesn't make any sense. Like, it doesn't make any sense that you would look at animation and understand it. That doesn't happen with animals. Yeah, they just see a animation slideshow. Is, is, yeah, it's nothing to them. It's just a mess. It's just flat colors. Whereas, we look at animation, and you know, this is of course not, you know, uh, photorealistic CGI. That That has to be its own thing, because that could fool an animal. Right. Maybe. I'm actually not sure about that. Uh, but with uh, uh, drawn things, especially like exaggerated things like in this, we, we just get it. We just accept it. Yeah. We don't even we don't even question it for a second. Like when Raharu literally eats Jinyu and then has a big gut because she ate her. 
It's like, that's so cartoony. That's ridiculous. Yeah, but the... And it, it, we just get it. The fact... Yeah, and the fact that it's a cartoon, it, like, it automatically engages our uh, suspension of disbelief. And then yeah. from there, it just... It, like I was talking about earlier, it just kind of plays off of our dream logic and just goes completely into the subconscious. <laughs> yeah. And the thing about dream logic is that it... it I mean, it's... It's illogical, but it tends to make the most sense. Yeah, I, 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 I can't ima- I can't count the amount of times that I was talking about a dream or somebody else was talking about a dream. And I was like, oh, yeah. And you, you just open up a door and it's a completely different building. And I mean, it makes sense at the time, you, you know? <laughs> yeah. And and I mean, uh, just the difficulty with dreams comes with interpreting them in the waking world. Mm. That's when suddenly now it's confusing. Right. But it's like interpreting them. I'm trying to hammer them into this materialistic uh, uh, box goo. Yeah, box. It's the goo that I'm trying to fit into the box. Whereas, I don't know. I got it when I was in the dream. Like, it made sense to me then. It's now that I'm trying to put it on paper. It's now that I'm trying to give it some kind of structure that now is what's confusing. Whereas, you know, uh, watching... People have gotten obsessed with talking about movies and talking about shows, which, yes, I'm aware of the irony. <laughs> but people, people have got obsessed with that part when the just watching it, when you don't think about how am I going to explain my feelings about mm. this or how am I going to put this into words, everything is so much easier. Yeah, when you watch something not to defend it but just to see it. Yeah, I mean, going to an art gallery, you don't need a full you know, four act structure to go with a painting. Yeah. It's like, okay, you see the painting and you take it in and you get it. And then talking about it is actually what makes it difficult on you. Yeah. <laughs> Which I'm not saying don't talk about it. Of course not. You know, I, I, I say face difficulty head on, but, uh, you know, it, it can be helpful for you to put that stuff into words, especially when it comes to like dreams where it's like, and is there some here? Yeah. Uh, but like, yeah, the, the difficulty with Foley Cooley and Foley Cooley's logic and plot per se comes when it's like someone asks you, okay, what happened and what did it mean? <laughs> That's when it's difficult. But in the moment when you're watching it, you're just, you're in, you're, you're in the ride. Yeah. And, it, and you, you aren't even, you, you don't even have to double take at anything. But yeah. Uh, yeah, it's it's that's my solo place. <laughs> yeah, I would say it it is uh, most definitely belt. And uh, when we someday make it to alternative, which I like putting some time between these, mm-hmm. uh, and I think because uh, they they do the Toy Story the Toy Story thing where uh, alternative is even older characters. Oh, cool. Okay. So they're, yeah, they're gradually getting older throughout the series. I I really like that because like I was able to connect with this one a lot more than I was able to connect with Fooly Cooly because I, I I talked about this in the the Fooly Cooly podcast, but like, uh, I missed, I missed Fooly Cooly at the time that it would have been most like meaningful to me, but this one hit more home. You caught the boat late. This one hit more home and I'm. I mean, if the characters are older and alternative, that one may end up hitting me the most. Yeah. Well, I mean, they're still 
uh, I think they're like seniors mm-hmm. in alternative, but you know, they're still in high school. Yeah, but it's still but, closer uh, in age to me than, you know, a kid going sure. through puberty. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that one, that one feels like a, a weird fever dream when you look back on your own. Oh my gosh. What I mean, and fully cool is a weird fever yeah, dream. Really so it's really fitting. Like puberty absolutely feels like a waking nightmare from start to finish. Mm-hmm. So like, uh, yeah, it's fitting like, that it's like that. How how many of those things that you think about, like right before you go to sleep, happen uh, during the puberty age? <laughs> yeah. Those things that you're yeah. like, I'm gonna forget that that happened right now, and I'm gonna go to sleep. Yeah. <laughs> <clears throat> well, uh, I think that's about all we can say. Yeah. Uh, so I have to say, I ha- I'm going to have to argue with those uh, with those people that uh, didn't like it. I'm going to have to see their uh, point of per- point of view and uh, fight them. Just yeah, physically m- fight maybe... them. One on one. I'm going to take you in the cage. <laughs> This Sunday night. <laughs> but yeah, uh, well, and I'm not like, I'm kind of sad that it didn't hit people the same way that it hit me because it was almost like it's without over explaining it. It feels like it's, it's coming more into view. Yeah. Uh, what fully cool is. In fact, seeing fully coolie progressive confirmed to me what I thought fully coolie was about. And that was where, like, you know, you, you get me talking about in the when we did the first series, when we did an episode on the first mm-hmm. series, all that confidence. That was because I had seen progressive and alternative where I like felt like I knew what I was talking mm, about. Okay. I had none of that before seeing these. And then after seeing these, it's like, yes, yes, I was right. <laughs> <laughs> I was getting what I was supposed to get from it. Ah. But yeah, so uh, uh uh, also, great line from the show. I'm just going to put this one in there at the end because it was right next to what I was going to say is is uh, the closing statement. Mm. But uh, Hidomi's mom says, I'm so glad nothing actually happened to you when she gets up from getting hit with a car. Mm. And I mean, anyone who's seen Finding Nemo. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you don't want nothing to happen to them. <laughs> yeah, I and mean, nothing will ever happen to them. <laughs> But yeah, uh, so I was we, 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 we're done here, I think. Yeah. And uh, uh, yeah, um, go uh, be as adequate as you can. Born to be mild. Woo! No, what was it? Poo-poo-poo-poo-poo-poo. I don't know. They said something like that in the show right after that. It was like, poo-poo-poo. Yeah, they did. Poo-poo-poo. I think they did say poo-poo-poo. <laughs> what, a, what a strange TV show. <laughs>